Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac. Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Tuesday morning, Birds fans. Thanks for getting up early, streaming in up with us here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald here with you. Uh, Johnny Mac, a wise man once said, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't Paul Heyman, but you never know. Uh, time heals all wounds. The 24 hours that we've had since last when we were on Birds 365 didn't do a hell of a lot of healing, at least not for me. And... <clears throat> in listening to Philadelphia Eagle fans in varying ways, you can get opinions, WIP, our stream here. It doesn't seem like the healing is kicking in much here, 24 hours after the fact. Still quite raw after the choke job that the Eagles put up against the Arizona Cardinals. When's the healing kick in, Johnny Mac? Um, yeah, they're upset. They're fired up. I'm healed. Uh, but yeah, I can't good, speak for good, everybody good else. For you. I, um, good for you. Yeah. It does. Uh, you know, uh, look, I mean, they're not playing well and people expect them to play well. I think it's as simple as that. Um, and it's getting to the point where, you know, I thought it was funny that just, I got inundated after the final play in the Alabama-Michigan game about when did, you know, Nick Saban hire Brian Johnson and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, the, these these people are, are angry and upset, and uh, some of it's legitimate, some of it isn't. Uh, but for the Eagles, it's just about getting rights and trying to get back to a position. Well, crazier things have happened. They could still get the number two seed. Very unlikely, but they could still get the number two seed. Uh, they still have a chance, even if they're the number five seed, to go on the road, get a win. Who knows if you have some confidence 
Um, you can certainly go on the road and 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 win a game. Doesn't look likely, but we just saw you know Baltimore take care of San Francisco and things of that nature. So this is a crazy league, and everybody understands it's a week to week league. And at the same time, they'll say it's a week to week league, and then the next sentence would say, "Oh, they're done. They can never come back from the uh, a poor performance." Maybe they can't. I'm not saying they can. But it is a week-to-week league. That part is – is, and we've seen it throughout the league. I don't think there's any dominant teams. I look at Baltimore and San Francisco. To me, they're, they're clearly the, the favorites for the Super Bowl, as they should be. And if you you know, had a time machine and told me they lost, I wouldn't be shocked at all. It's somewhere along the line. I'm not saying to the Eagles, somewhere along the line. They just play a bad game on a particular day, get the wrong injury at the right time and all that kind of stuff. Easily. There's no dominant team. So I don't think it's time to give up, but I can't speak for others. If they want to give up, they can give up. Yeah. Some, some have gotten there quite quickly. As a matter of fact, into the, we can't uh, possibly uh, get it together or even luck our way into success in the postseason. If you don't want me asking, um, I didn't get the end of the college game and the Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni thing. What was, what was the point that you said you got inundated on social media about? Oh, a bunch of Eagles fans saying, even a non-fan, the funniest was from our buddy Les Bowen, who said, bad mistake for saving to let Brian Johnson call the last play. Uh, because he called a, a quarterback draw with a game on the line. Oh, so um, any any bad call play call is uh, Brian Johnson. Yes, exactly. Call. Oh, exactly. okay. I, I didn't exactly. I didn't get the point you were trying to make. Now I yeah. do. Thanks for explaining it to me. Sometimes yeah. I need to have things explained. And the funny thing is uh Tommy Reese, who was the Alabama offensive coordinator, uh the former Notre Dame quarterback, um, he's very good friends with Nick Sirianni. <laughs> so yeah that connection as well for the people that want it. And, oh, by the way, I don't think it was a horrible play call. I think it was a bad snap. The guy got it back to him underneath his knees. He had to reach down and kind of threw off the timing of the play. But Well, that uh, ruins the joke, Jody. Come on. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that to you, uh, except it's kind of reality. And the reality is right now the Eagles stink. And the reality is Nick Sirianni needs to give answers. And he met with the media yesterday, and he didn't look like a guy who had answers, John. Um, I didn't expect him to pull something brilliant from the ether and be able to lay out exactly what has transpired and now have the exact answer as to how to change it. But you'd like him to be able to give you at least something that you can sink your teeth into. You go, oh, okay, yeah, but uh, I got none of that yesterday from him. Was there anything enlightening that you got from Sirianni day after? Oh, we kind of admitted he probably should have been a little bit more, um, which I, a, a little less conservative uh, after the Jordan Mylotta penalty. Uh, you know, the on they get the onside kick, um, they get a first down. Then Jordan Mylotta sets them back with a holding penalty, and then they went quarterback run, quarterback run, and then they threw the bubble screen to Kenny Gainwell. Um, you know, after the game, he said some convoluted no that's aggressive in its own way um and then yesterday kind of scaled back on that so maybe realized you know should have 
went and tried to win the game and still instead of played it safe. Um, you know, other than that, Devontae Smith, good injury news. Um, what could have been catastrophic seems like it's going to be short term. I wouldn't expect to see him this week, especially on that MetLife turf. But, you know, sounds like he, he should be back for the playoffs. And I don't want to think about this offense without Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown because all of a sudden Julio Jones gets kicked up. Alameda Zacchaeus and poor Jody's going to have to see some more Quest Watkins. If, if, uh, did, am I correct? Did Quest not get one snap on well, Sunday? Play. So he's officially benched. He had one snap the week before, so he's right. officially benched. Um, and he should be from a performance standpoint. But obviously, if you don't have Devontae Smith, that changes. Um, so that's some good news. As far as the game, I, I mean, they just played poorly. Uh, there's no other way to – there's no way to spin that. They played poorly. They couldn't get off the field. I, I choked yesterday. We didn't get to meet the Arizona punter. We, we you know, Blake Gilligan. Gilligan um, it, it wasn't on the field. It, it, it's, you know, what was it, four consecutive touchdowns? Second um, half. It, it's just against that particular team, understanding Jonathan Gannon knows the Eagles better than just about anyone. Um, people have underrated him as a coach in this uh, city. I, I don't think they'll realize that even at this point, but they have. Um, even if you throw all that in and acknowledge all that, the Eagles just played poorly. It, 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 on defensively, it's their worst game of the year. Uh, forget about San Francisco, Dallas. They played poorly, but those are good offenses. This is a bad offense with a couple good players. Um, and, and it's their worst offensive performance. And offensively, they move the ball at times. But, again, you start seeing the same bog down, the same over-reliance on, on, on bubble screens, the same lack of blitz beaters, things like that, same stuff, no sort of evolution that Nick Sirianni always talks about with his offense. That's my biggest concern with the offense. On paper, still pretty good. They still move the football. Um, so there were some good points offensively, but defensively, it, it was it was a train wreck. Red hot mess is another way to describe it, and I do not see any potential changes and or answers. It's, it's set. Seth Joyner's not coming through that door anytime soon. Sorry to say, Eagle fans. All right, he's McMullen on McDonald. We're going to get our uh, first guest up early today. Rob Kushner from uh, NBC10 is going to join us a little bit later. We'll have our buddy Jeff Mosher from Inside the uh, Eagle, Inside the Birds, to jump aboard. Uh, but uh, we're going to get Rob up a little early, and then we usually punch up our first guests. Uh, so Rob Kessler from NBC10 up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Jody McDonald and John McMullen, you are listening to Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. And for the next 15, 20 minutes, you're going to listen to Rob Kessner from NBC 10 Sports. Uh, Rob, you, you look like a guy who's been through the wars before. Thanks, Jody. Oh, well, I don't quite yeah, know how to yeah. say that. <laughs> sure. Hey, you look you're, better you're, than us, Rob. You're talking <laughs> to two other guys who have been through the wars. So yeah, we're, we're binding together over that. Do you remember it ever being this bad? With a team with this level of expectations, because right now the Philadelphia Eagles are the most underachieving team in the National Football League. You ever remember it being this bad in Philly before? Nah, I don't. I mean, 94, Cotite is the only comparison where you get off to a start like that, but you're not, you weren't coming off a Super Bowl. You didn't have the resume and the uh, chops this team had. You know, winning two playoff games the way they won them last year, uh, putting up a fight the way they did against Kansas City, and then obviously a ten and one start. No, I don't. I don't even see how there is any comparison in Eagle history. No, 
Yeah, it's it's amazing how quickly it's happened too, Rob. We we had talked, all of us had talked, and you you get to be in the locker room all the time as well. How strong the locker room was, how many great leaders uh, they have on this particular team. And by the way, I still think that's true. But all of a sudden, you see some cracks there. Yeah. Uh, most notably, AJ Brown. We're all trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, he did say it's not about us, the reporters. Um, you know, he's had some issues in the past with social media and maybe needing to stay away from that. Um, other people have said it's the coaching. He's upset with the coaching. Um, what What do you think is going on in that locker room, Rob? Well, as it relates to AJ, I would lean the direction that you just finished with. And you guys were talking about it in the first segment, you know, how Nick sort of uh, backtracked and wished he had done it a little differently or at least considered that he had done it a little differently. And part of that is get A.J. Brown the ball in that spot. I mean, think about what got you into that spot in the field from the get-go. It was A.J. Brown for 18 yards. I mean, and we're trying to look at a line of demarcation and where sort of everything kind of fell apart. Well, before the bye, A.J. Brown was an MVP candidate. He wasn't just the best player on this team. He was one of the top five players in the league by statistical measure, by dominance on the field. I mean, geez, we could look back at the first half of games. Think about down in Washington. They're down 14-3 and look completely disinterested. And A.J. Brown says, I'm the best player on the field, and it's over. And he's making one-handed catches, and he's down the sideline for another catch. He was phenomenal in that game. In fact, both Washington games. How you don't feed the best player on the team in that spot when you're leaking oil and your defense can't get a stop, especially when you have the first down, you know, you're the first and 20 now, and you maybe the best play of the season was the third and 20 conversion yeah. against the Giants. I mean, John, you before, by the way, yeah. And, and so you're in a spot. How about you just throw it to 11 and let them go do something, you know? Yeah. Um, and he that, had reached that, that, where... that's interesting, Rob, because the dichotomy of that you're coming off a game where you get a third and 20 right against the Giants. Here you're set back, but you had, I, be, I believe that was the first down, so you and had no, it was first and 20. 20. Yeah, so yeah, my lot of takes the penalty, and, and it's then you get 20. quarterback right. sweep, quarterback sweep, bubble yeah. screen. There's right. not one shot play, there's not yeah. one attempt to convert it. Yeah. And you proved you could convert it the the week before. Uh, so the first can one I, is a design play, which stuns me. But the second one is an RPO, and I think that's a misread. Again, I don't like the call either, but I do think that's a little bit of a misread. I think uh, Jalen's got to hand the ball off there. Yeah. But either way, it's still second and 20. And if it goes for what it looks like when I've rewatched the play, maybe it goes for seven yards instead of minus four. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, to not get AJ the ball there, I think he has a right to be frustrated. All right, couple things on that. And John and I started this conversation. I want to include you in it on two Rob. Uh, first things on AJ Brown. He's number five in the National Football League in targets. Okay. So mm -hmm. five. There's four players in the NFL who have the ball thrown to him more than AJ Brown. So if AJ Brown is gonna lose his mind because he's not getting the ball enough, you get it the fourth most, fifth most in the NFL, AJ. It's not like they've forgotten about you. You get mm -hmm. the ball plenty. One one play is going to make you lose your mind. Shame on A.J. Brown. Number two, on that final series before they kick the field goal uh, to give them the lead, and then, of course, Cardinals march it down and score. 
here was something that really got me thinking last week when um, uh, Brian Wilson, Brian Johnson was talking to you guys about the whole run the football thing, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, the chant in the stadium. And he came out and said, you, you guys realize that most of our plays are decisions within the play as to we're gonna, whether we're going to run the ball or throw the ball. That every single play has options off it as to what's going to actually transpire, which basically comes out and says it's the quarterback's choice. That sure. RPOs and if he goes to the line and sees something, he can adjust and change the play. He basically put it all on Jalen Hurts. He's the guy who's deciding run-pass ratio and what particular play they're going to run. As you just said, Rob, that second down after he gets the short uh, uh, run on first, that's his call. The four-yard loss on second down, which puts him in third and 20, that's on him. And I'll say this right here, right now. I guarantee you, as sure as my name is Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald Jr., the number one read on the bubble screen to Kenny Gainwell was not the bubble screen to Kenny Gainwell. That was not the number one read. Jalen had just gotten smacked around twice, and he said, I'm getting the ball the hell out of my hands as soon as possible. We're going to kick a field goal. That was on the QB. I can guarantee you that was not the number one read. But he wasn't going to do anything other than get rid of the ball as soon as he possibly could. Are we not scrutinized the quarterback enough with the, when it comes up short from time to time? And I get it. The offense isn't near as big a problem as the defense. But they put a lot on Jalen's plate this year. Is he just not eaten? Yeah, I listen, he hasn't played as well as last year, but I do think that's a, and John pointed this out earlier, uh, a partially a result of what they're seeing from defenses. I mean, if you go back even to their very first series of the game when they go three and out, you know, Jonathan Gannon knew flat out they were going to go in that spot to run that slant route because that is what the Eagles do when they have to have just seven yards. Look, Forget everything else. Get the ball out. Get the quarterback in rhythm. Let's get seven yards. He knew it was coming. He doubled two guys down to the spot who got to where A.J. were before he even got to the spot, and the Eagles had to punt. And he just felt like, okay, I've gotten in their head a little bit. I've made them have to think about things. They're going to have to adjust what they like to do. So back to the situation you're referring to, sure, I think that there's something to be said for that, and I do think defenses are doing things a little differently to confuse Jalen, and that's just part of the learning curve that comes with a quarterback that has the level of success he had last year. Teams are going to adapt and figure things out, and he has to do that a little better. But again, I think, and I think you'd agree, if you're putting it on a scale, Jalen and decision making is not really the reason they lost, you know, blew a 21 6 lead to the Arizona Cardinals at home. Right. It's more about the defense. But if we're looking just at the offense. Yeah. No, I hear you. And and I want to get back to AJ, though. We talked about it a little yesterday. And yeah, this brings AJ into the conversation. Yeah. Shouldn't the Eagles, shouldn't the Eagles with the talent that they have, uh, quarterback, wide receivers, offensive line, one of the best, shouldn't they be able to dictate terms? Shouldn't they be able to say, Here's what we're going to run because I'm hearing a lot from Sirianni and from Ertz that, well, we're reacting to the defense and we're calling plays and trying to execute plays in reference to what the defense is and how we can best. Can't you just say, here's what we're going to do and you adjust defense that they're allowing Jonathan Gannon and his band of merry misfits to dictate to them as to what plays they should be running. 
shouldn't they be able to dictate to the Cardinals what they want to run? They should. And I know you guys referenced Seth earlier. I, I agree with him. I mean, he said multiple times you have to earn the right to throw the ball the way they attempt to. The chunk plays that they try to get are earned because you can run the ball for seven yards, eight yards, right down your throat. Think about when they hit the only spot in Nick Sirianni's tenure that matches this one. They start two and five. Everybody remembers the flower and makes the jokes and everything else. But the reality is they ran the ball 50 times against Detroit the next week, right? <clears throat> they ran the ball consistently and pretty much on average for about 47 times for well over 200 yards a game in a four-game stretch. They could have told you. I mean, you talk about the Michigan game. It could have been sign-stealing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Here it comes. Stop yeah. it because you're not going to. That's and what the I, old I Cowboys did, the yep. Jimmy Johnson yep. Cowboys. Yes, just, yeah, they, and I, I just wonder just, where that is. I, I would like to see that more often. I'd like to see more of the power run game. I know Brian Baldinger talks about it, certainly. Yeah. Seth talks about it. I agree with him. I'd like you to just say, I've got Jordan Mailata, I've got Landon Dickerson, and I've got one of the most smart and athletic centers of all time in Jason Kelsey. I'm just going to say I'm running behind those guys. You're going to have to move some people that way. And then, oh, by the way, I've got a developing Jurgens and the best of the entire bunch and Lane Johnson on the other side. And just say I'm doing that, bring people up, and then give Jalen a little less to do. Look, if we're looking for a reason for why the collapse has been so significant, one of them in my mind is just the, the amount of stuff being put on Jalen's plate. And I understand why you do it. I understand how you can fall in love with him. But think about the last win of significance before this drop-off. That's Buffalo. I mean, he's making plays to Alameda Zacchaeus that just, if you run them 100 times, they don't work 99. Yeah. And instead, he's rolling left, rolling left, keep a play alive, keep a play alive, boom, throw the ball to a spot. And that's a touchdown that steals a win against a really good football team, you know? And they get the ball in overtime, and he pretty much carries them outside of one DeAndre run down for the touchdown. It's all Jalen, Jalen, Jalen. I think you got to take a little bit off of his plate to get the offense a little more in balance and a little more in rhythm. But uh, I want to go back, yeah. if I can, to AJ real quick because sure. I think that's interesting. So are his targets that high? Yes. Are they that high since Kansas City and the bye? I'm not sure they would be top five in the NFL. And if I'm in the fourth quarter of a game I have to have and the offense is sputtering a little bit and I just converted on first down and got 18 yards and I'm A.J. Brown, I do want the ball because I'm like, I can take us home. You need, We need us to take us home. And, John, you were in the locker room, I think, in one of the most revealing interviews of the year, and it's the last time A.J. spoke to us which was yeah. in the locker room. I asked him that question. I think yeah. he, I think I might have ruined the year for everyone. <laughs> no, he yeah. had a very he had a very uh, good answer, very involved. He's emotional yeah. and he yeah, takes this he really stuff is. to heart. I mean, listen, I was with him the day after they lost to Seattle. And and I said, "How much sleep did you get?" He goes, "Listen, man, I slept about 20 minutes on the plane. I have yeah. been stewing ever since. I I was bawling my eyes out when we get off that plane. I cannot believe we put so much into this." To not come up with a win against Seattle up the way we were, it hurts. Hurts. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I I think I think I think with AJ really has his heart in the right place. I do think he lets his emotions out because he's a younger guy. Yeah. I think with AJ too, it's not about targets, it's about spots. Right. He wants the ball in big spots. He right. wants to go or he wants the opportunity to go win a game. 
I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, by the way, when you have a either. player of that caliber who wants the football in big spots. In fact, it's like a basketball player who wants the right. shot at the end. Some guys shy away from that. I was that. just going to say that. The comparison yeah. I'll give you is Jimmy Butler in the yeah. sixer year. I yeah. mean, he didn't care about the numbers. He didn't care what happened for the first three quarters. Ben Simmons could get his when teams weren't packing the defense and forcing him to play half-court offense, which he couldn't. And it wasn't when Joel Embiid was scoring when the defense wasn't quite as tight. But come fourth quarter, if the game was close, the ball comes over here, and I'll deliver. And that's a huge reason why they were as successful as they were. It honestly is the reason they got seven games against the Raptors. And I just feel like AJ is very similar. It is not so much about how much, it's when. Rob, I yeah. do want to ask you about the defense because we've been talking about the offense since you joined us. And the offense, while it needs tinkering and, and there is questions to be asked, compare the offense and defense. And we know the bigger problem is the defense. Four touchdowns by the Arizona Cardinals in the second half, right down the field. No answer whatsoever. It was all Sean Desai's fault. Then it wasn't because Matt Patricia took over. And Matt Patricia's defense has allowed the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals uh, just to march down the field and get the game-winning touchdown with other two minutes to go. So I don't know that it's Matt Patricia's fault any more than it's Sean Desai's fault. They're both to blame. When do we look at the players on this defense and go, the organization, a.k.a. Howie Roseman, just didn't give enough bullets for the gun. This defense doesn't have enough talent. No, they've had some injuries, and you have to factor that in when you're evaluating it. But even with the – this defense isn't good enough. The players that are here that are supposed to be really good haven't been this year. Is this on the – is it defensive issues, and they're major, more on the players than the coaching in your mind? Well, it's the players for me, and I think it's proven because you've had two different coordinators or play callers, uh, and the results have been the same. Having said that, it's funny you guys were talking about the Michigan game last night. I got a lot of Jesse Minter talk on my timeline. Oh, yeah, Jesse there was Minter. There's a ton yeah. of, you know, Jesse's running the defense that yeah. the NFL loves and all that kind of stuff. But, look, if if we're going to lay and it by out. By the way, he still, interviewed for the job at the Eagles, D.C. He job did. Job. He yeah. may be interviewing again. <laughs> he might be back. But, uh, you know, it, it, look, if we're if we're laying it out and saying who's the most disappointing collection of folks, to me, it's a defensive line. I mean, they got pushed around. They were out of their spots. They were uh, manhandled on Sunday by a three-win Arizona team at yeah. home. And look, we can all talk about the linebackers and how they're not making plays and the secondary has holes in it. And all of that is accurate and fair. But those position groups don't have the amount of resources the D-line does in terms of finance, in terms of draft capital, it just it just doesn't. And yeah. to see them come up as small as they did on Sunday and have no answer, even on that last drive, okay, we just went through every aspect of the Eagles drive, but they do kick a field goal. If you just bow up in that spot and say they're not going to run the ball, we are going to force that wide receiving core to get down the field and score seven, I, I – I think it's a different game and they weren't capable. I mean, even in a spot where you knew it was coming, they couldn't stop it. Um, and to me, that's the biggest disappointment. And, you know, we, we talk about it a lot, you know, Fletcher Cox for most of the year of the collection, I think has been the best and that's not great. 
He was supposed to be at this point, not BG level rotational player, but a rotational guy, a guy that, man, if you could bring him off the bench with all of his smarts and natural ability in smaller spaces, think about what kind of productivity you would get from him. That's just not happening right now. He's playing a lot and it's showing in my mind. Uh, R. Kessner, NBC 10. Make sure you follow Rob on X, formerly known as Twitter. Does a tremendous job. Uh, NBCPhiladelphia.com, uh, special projects producer. Does all the good stuff you see over at NBC 10 uh, when it comes not just to the Eagles, but other sports as well. Rob, I know you got to go for daddy duty. Um, yeah. We're back uh, in school over here in Jersey, John. You know yeah. what I mean? We're back. I know. I know how it goes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Real quick, coaching versus personnel. You kind of alluded to it there. Defensively, it's obviously um, the personnel more than the coaching. No, I'm, I'm not trying to defend Sean Desai, Matt, Patricia, but you can roll anybody in here. Jesse Minner, Rob Kessner, Jody yeah. Mack. This ain't going to be a great defense. Offensively, yeah. Brian Johnson's getting a lot of heat. Um, is that is that? Do you think that's that that's should be, or do you think yeah, that think should that's be more Nick Yeah, I would. I would think it's. I think the coaching should get more on the offensive side than the players, because I do think the players have, as we pointed out earlier in the year. I mean, they are in the playoffs because they won eleven games. But if you were to measure them and say, okay, of the eleven, do I view this as a coaching win or do I view this as a talent win? And they won it largely due to the talent assembled. I just think if it's a scale, much more of them go to the talent. Honestly, if I was really being fair about it, the game that I can pinpoint where I say that was really a well-coached, really well-thought-out plan, both on offense and defense, is Miami. Outside of that, I can't give you one where I was like, wow, that really kind of you know, not Tampa. My... Tampa was pretty good. Tampa was good. You're that's right. Yeah. And especially on defense to be fair yeah. against Tampa. And we, yeah. you know, they may need to dip back into that because they might be seeing Tampa again here, but yeah. you know, we're talking about it. So that's what nine, two. And, and I know there's probably some things, but you know, to me, it's been an underwhelming performance on that side of the ball as it relates to the coaching. I would agree with you. I think on defense, it's personnel on offense to me, if we're, questioning what's not quite clicking it's more to me about the coaching than it is the players rob great stuff we appreciate you jumping in what it's given a couple of minutes you guys got it get kids off the bed uh, <laughs> oh, off the, the bed they wish they gotta go to school yeah. i meant to admit, I meant to <laughs> school that's it's, right no no put them back to bed don't sweat it <laughs> yeah <laughs> rob good stuff thanks much thanks for rob all right see you our pleasure from NBC 10, Rob Kessner here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, when we come back, uh, you know I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. You and I are both big Jalen Hurts fans. And uh, I, I go back to the night that Eagles selected Jalen Hurts. I was one of the few, the proud, that actually said, hey, I really like that pick for the Eagles. Most people were, what the F is Howie Roseman doing taking a backup quarterback? So I've been on the Jalen side from minute one when he became a Philadelphia Eagle. I think we got a Jalen problem. I I do. And I know that the defense is the bigger problem on this team overall, but this season's going to be what it's going to be. Beat the Giants, lose the Giants, win their first playoff play, lose their first playoff game. They get back to the Super Bowl, be one of the greatest turnarounds in the history of football, not banking on it. 
Um, but then there's going to be 2024 and 25 and 26. I, I, I got a Jalen issue I got to bring up. We'll do that when we come back. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut and Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Mullen and McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, coming up next hour, Jeff Mosher from InsideTheBirds.com is going to hop on with us. We thank Rob Kessner for coming on with us from NBC10. Uh, one of the things I brought up with Rob, and, and I want to dive even further with you, Johnny Mac, is the Eagles play calling. Some people are just flat out killing Brian Johnson <laughs> if they're going to call for 
uh, Matt Patricia's head and uh, Sean Dye's and Nick Sirianni's head. Well, of course, Brian Johnson's going right along with him. Uh, that people are, are questioning whether he was the right choice. Was he the choice just because he's got a relationship with Jalen? And or is this just Nick Sirianni's offense? Because Nick has taken the blame, at least uh, verbally, saying, listen, don't don't be getting on a play call. Get on me. This is my offense. It's all about me. It's my offense, which he's he's uh, dying on his sword, which I think is admirable. Might not help him keep his job, but it's admirable. <laughs> and here's what I think nobody talks about, that so many of the Eagle plays are decisions made in the split second by their still very young and wet behind the ears quarterback that I think you, you brought him up a couple of uh, shows ago last week. Maybe it was uh, that Peyton Manning was the kind of guy who would just basically call the game himself. Yeah. He never had the title, but the offensive coordinator of a lot of those Peyton Manning teams was Peyton Manning that you know, lay out all these plays, call it design all these plays. And then Peyton's going to decide what the hell you're going to run in the moment. The whole conservative nature of that last drive. Do you really think Nick Sirianni in the moment has the time to change the play? The no. Brian Johnson calls no. the play and the Knicks are going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, here's what we're running. The, the, the clock no. is ticking. They're on the clock. The play clock is ticking. He's 40 not seconds. changing that. Yeah. 40, 40 seconds. Se in 40 seconds. And you get cut off at 15. Remember, you get cut off. Johnson's going to start the call. Nick's going to go, no, 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 no. And then he's going to call in the play. No, that's not happening. So Johnson is calling the plays, but then they get to the line of scrimmage, and Jalen decides that, as Johnson said, I was watching, you were there, that most of their plays, and it all had to do with the argument of run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, because people didn't like the Eagles' run-pass ratio that he defended the Eagles by saying, when we send in the play and come to the line, it could be a run or it could be a pass. So on any given play that Jalen decides it's going to be a pass, we on the coaching staff are going to go, yeah, but it could have been a run. The only thing that matters is what actually ends up happening, but they want to hide behind, oh, it should, could have just as easily been a run. The guy who seems to be making the call is Jalen Hurts. So if you've got issues with the play calling for the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe you're misdirecting your criticism of Brian Johnson and you should be directing it to the guy who's actually deciding on these multi-option plays, these RPOs, when it's the quarterback's decision that Jalen's coming up with the decisions as to what to do with the ball. Yeah, well, every RPO, it's a decision. You're reading one player, basically, uh, and whether – if he crashes down, um, you know, you keep it, you pull it. If he doesn't, you give it to the running back. I mean, that's about reading a particular player. Um, very college like, uh, very simple. Um, so that I, I would say two things. Yes, when people, you know me with play calling, people don't judge play calls. They judge play results. Sure. Um, it, 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 when, when you talk about, and I always bring up Peyton Manning for a reason. Jalen Hurts isn't being asked to do what Peyton Manning was doing. So I mean, basically, all of these modern offenses have you know a run pass option built into the play. So basically, you get up to the line of scrimmage, or in the case of the Eagles, they're usually in the gun. If they are 
under center. It's probably going to be a tush push. Um, you're basically, all right, where's the free safety? Are they too high? What's going on? Um, 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 where's the Mike linebacker? If he's doing this, you do this. If he's doing this, you do this. That's it. That's it. It's not. So it, it's built in. That's number one. The second part would be on the play calling itself and, and the 42nd clock. And, you know, that stuff, and Nick has emphasized this week after week or years. Um, and he says it doesn't matter if it's Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson, or somebody in the future. Um, it's always going to be his offense. It's not going to be changed that much. And that's why I blame more on Nick Sirianni. Because that big cheesecake menu, that's what it is. Every situation's laid out. That's what they're doing during the week to prep. So you have a feel, and and Shane's probably a little bit better than Brian at that. I thought Shane was really good when it came to feel and setting people up and callback mm-hmm. like that. But all of this stuff is laid out. It's not like he's going rogue and and saying, you know, Third and short situations, third and mid-range, third and longs. You know, you got you got a whole menu. And there's a, a certain number of plays that you can pick from and call from. And that's all approved by Nick Sirianni during the week. And that's why um and and it's not like Nick runs from that. In fact, he tries to double down and explain it to people. And it's partially about protecting the offensive coordinator, but and I always know, you know, Nick's not one to always tell you the truth, but he's telling you the truth there. I mean, it's his offense and it, it stuff that he wants. Now, if it's a timeout and you have some extra time, he might say, look, run this. Um, the moment, there's just not time. Um, and, and one of the th- big things of, of, and that's why, you know, I don't think he was particularly great at game management uh, against Arizona. And that's why he gave up play calling to get better at that. So he deserves criticism there as well. Um, but, yeah. What did, didn't you like about his game management? To, well, uh, the, 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 the point of having no timeouts, the wasting, you know, Jackson Hole running on the field, not knowing – you know, that's all on the head coach, and he took credit for it. They had no timeouts. Arizona had all their stinking timeouts. Um, so there were some issues there. There were some issues with guys getting on the field. All these moving parts, by the way, on defense. We'll get back to the defense. That's I, I've said that before. That's got to stop. We're in week 18. That's got to stop. you got to play who your best player is. Say, who is that? I don't know. You could argue, you know, it should be Shaq Leonard or Nick Morrow when Zach Cunningham gets back, or it should be Kaylee Ringo or 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 Eli Ricks, or it should be Sidney Brown or Bonte Matt, whatever. But pick somebody um, and stop with this constant shuffling of deck chairs um, offensively. Again, you're going back and forth. Again, that that one instance where they had to burn a timeout because they didn't have the right personnel on the field. Well, whose fault is that? You're the game manager. Who else am I going to blame? So I think he deserves some some criticism for that. But to your original point, 
Yeah, Jalen Hurts isn't being asked to do what Peyton Manning was asked to do. There's not... let me, let, then let me clarify. Do you think Jalen Hurts is being asked to do as much or more as other quarterbacks? I, I brought Peyton up to make a point that he yeah. was an actual offensive coordinator. The fact that he isn't an offensive coordinator for some team in the National Football League today is probably unfortunate. He could be great at it. He ran the offenses they seemed to. I don't want to compare Jalen Hurts to Peyton Manning. I want to compare Jalen Hurts to Josh Allen and Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy and the guys that he's got to play in week in, week out. Is he asked to make more split-second decisions, in-the-moment decisions, than they are? Not, no, not you don't somebody, think so? Not, not somebody like Dak Prescott, not somebody like Lamar Jackson, not somebody, not somebody, maybe, maybe, uh, um, he's asked to do less than, uh, Brock Purdy because of the offense. That's because of the offense. Um, um, Brock's probably asked to do a little bit more, and that's been one of his strengths as a young quarterback, typically. Young quarterbacks can't handle that stuff, um, you know. But that's because you know you have basically <laughs> two offenses in the NFL. You have the Shanahan offense, the uh, Shanahan Kubiak offense, and you have you know the the new age college RPO offense. Um, and I'm you know I'm boiling it down a little bit. There's some different. I shouldn't you know people take me. Sometimes there's hyperbole. Not a lot of different offenses. There's not a lot of West Coast stuff going on. Um, there's not a lot of complicated offense going. That delves into practice time and things like that. And, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. There's not enough time to prepare. So what do you do? You simplify things. Um, and even the Shanahan stuff has been simple, uh, simplified over the years compared to what it was back in the day with Mike Shanahan. Um, but still there's a lot of play action stuff. There's a lot of moving parts, but even Sean McVay, it turned in it. I mean, when Sean McVay had Jared Goff, it was a joke that, you know, he was the first one who would take the, all the way to the 15 seconds, Sean McVay and just being Jared Goff's year the entire time. And sort of like, if you watch a college game, you go to the line of scrimmage and you'll see the quarterback step back, look to the sideline. They tell them what to do because they're reading the defense on the sideline and they run the play. Um, they, you can't do that in, in, in the NFL level, but you can get to that 15-second mark. Kevin O'Connell did it with Josh Jobs this year. It was a big story. Took him right up to that 15 seconds. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing. I would argue it's a bad thing. Back, you go back to the days of, you know, the the legendary days where where quarterbacks were with a team for a decade. The Bradshaws, the Stallbacks, the um, Kenny Stablers, the Tarkentons, all those guys. They they called the whole game at the line of scrimmage, the whole stinking game, the whole game. Um, and, 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 you know, but there was a lot of practice time. There was a lot of continuity. There was before free agency. You got a group together for a long period of time. Now you just don't have that time. So everything's kind of simplified. And basically, all Jalen Hurts can kill from run to pass, same with Carson Wentz, 
uh, or vice versa. But that's a pretty big difference. I would not use the word all in that sentence. All he can do is, that's a big deal. When you decide whether it's going to be a run or a pass, when you make that decision going one over the other, that's pretty damn big. Not that's just a eh, runner pass. But oh, that, uh, but huge. every other but what I'm saying is every other quarterback with some experience has the same autonomy. Not you know not some of the younger guys, not the guys stepping in for one week in the Tommy DeVitos of the world, um, and those types. But everybody of any import, Dak Prescott has the same responsibilities. Um, that that Jalen has. And I know Rob went back to 2021 and yeah, that was one of the issues. He wasn't ready for it at that point. And they scaled back. Um, and they went on that, you know, where they were just running the football, uh, and they ran it very effectively. And I know Philadelphia likes that. That's all they ever want to do. But I always, when it comes to that, you know what I say, Jody, follow the money. And then you got to deal with an owner. It's like, what the hell are you doing? We need a highly effective passing game to win in the modern NFL. And I'm paying a wide receiver $25 million. And I got to pay my other wide receiver. And I'm paying my tight end. And how he's shopping at the uh, Walmart clearance off for running backs. Follow the money. And follow the owner. That's what he wants. I know that Jeff Laurie has an affinity for the passing game. So if and when Nick Sirianni gets fired, and oh, by the way, John, I listened to a lot of WIP yesterday during the afternoon. I was out and about, so I was in the car a lot. And then I did my own show last night from 10 to 2. The the you and cry for Sirianni to be fired. You and I brought this up yesterday. I said, I'll admit that the chance of Nick Sirianni being told he's no longer the Eagles coach at the end of the year was not zero, that I had kicked it up to about 5% chance that he could get fired. Now, got a game left in the regular season, got a playoff game. Oh, that number can increase. How they play, certainly the results of those games, can move that that needle for sure. But I was at 5% yesterday, and I'm still at 5% today. I haven't changed my mind, but the you and cry for Sirianni to be given his walking papers – because they've hit this uh, unbelievable losing streak, really surprised me. Uh, I guess I shouldn't be because I've been doing sports talk in Philadelphia for 35 years and overreaction is part of the culture in this town. But th- there are people that want them fired before they go on the turnpike, before they get on 95. Turn the play calling over to Jeffrey. Let Jeffrey go in, put a headset on. Let him call the plays. Just get Sirianni off that sideline on side. Well, and you've been doing it a long time too. We do realize that Nick Sirianni's made the playoffs three years in three years, right? It's amazing, Jeff. He's he's been the coach three years, and they are going to the playoffs for their third straight season. The the immediate the the way that people can narrow focus to only the thing that happened last, which was a choke job against the Arizona Cardinals. Does everything Sirianni did to that point just get wiped away? Evidently. I mean, I'm a ba- I, I shouldn't I sh- I should have learned from Doug Peterson. I thought, you know, I joked, I thought he'd have a lifetime dispensation card for finally getting this team a, a Super Bowl championship. Nick Sirianni, you know, went 
14 and one with Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback last season, 10 and one this season before the hiccup here. Um, This organization has never done that before. They've been around since 1933. They've never had a stretch of that level of success. Put any context you want on it. Never. Zero. Never happened before. It's like it never existed. Got to give them a little bit of rope. I I think it's fine to criticize them. I think that my where I I have kind of two scales when it comes to firing Nick Sirianni, and I'm with you. It was at zero percent, obviously a ten and one. Now I can't say it's at zero percent. However, I think the the small percentage, whether it's ten percent, wherever you want to go, has to do with how Nick handles the instructions from those above him. In other words, if he balks at at Jeffrey and Howie saying, hey, we're going to gut this whole defensive coaching staff, and I don't know if they're going to do that, but I could certainly see them doing that, and we're going to hire this guy, and you better be okay with it, I think that's where that 10% lies. I don't think he's in danger of being fired by Jeffrey Lurie or Howie Roseman just for the lack of performance. I think he gets a little bit of rope and then the clock starts next year. The, the clock starts. Um, so I think from their perspective, they're not thinking about firing them. They're thinking about making changes. I'm sure if things don't go the way uh, it is, but yeah, the fan base and how quickly they've turned on them, I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but it always does. I can't, I can't, you know, they wanted them out on a rail as Rob pointed out, at two and five with the flowers and all that, they oh, they man. they wanted him out. You, you you don't have to go that far. They wanted him out. Yeah, the day he was hired with yeah, his press won. conference when yeah. he kind of muttered through it and didn't have answers. Can can we can we pull the contract? Can we get out of it right now? Can we yeah. get somebody else? So yeah, they're, they're always ready to fire coaches. Yeah, right which you know. I, I shouldn't. That's my. I I'm always surprised by it. I guess I shouldn't be. Um, you know because it, it you know, especially longer term term fans who've been through the ringer, um, and know that hey, fourteen and one and ten and one isn't normal. Uh, you know, now you're living a little bit like everybody else in the NFL which has ups and downs and things like that. Um, I shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised. Yes. I am right. surprised so how many fans want to fire. Let me run this by you. Cause this really <clears throat> did talk about being surprised. Uh, I was surprised. I wasn't shocked, but I was a little surprised with the number, the volume of people that were ready to give Nick Sirianni his walking papers. But something that surprised me even more was I give credit to the two people that I'm referencing who I spoke to yesterday because at least they had an answer to a specific question. Um, Like I said, I started doing sports talk 35 years ago and I've been holding people to this when it, when it gets to a fevered pitch. uh, I certainly put this uh, as a qualifier. If you're going to ask for somebody's job, you're going to fire somebody. You're going to tell them you're not good enough for what you do. Leave. Okay, that that's on you, John Q. Public. But then tell me, what do you do from there? If you're going to yeah, tell yeah. Howie Roseman, Jeff Flory, yeah, you need to get rid of this guy. 
then who are you suggesting they replace him with? And I've had this as one of my prerequisites when I think a conversation has become overblown about somebody giving his walking papers. Okay, who are you replacing him with? And when I started that last night on my show, most people had no answer. One did have an answer, and it was funny because I talked to someone earlier in the day had gotten down the same exact street, which kind of surprised me. So I will make it a question for you, John McMullen. For the 2024, 25, 26 season, let's only go three years out, okay? But picking up with next year for the next three years, who would you rather have coaching the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Sirianni or Bill Belichick? Well, I, in that sense, I I think Bill's the best coach ever. So I would take Bill Belichick, but I would take Bill Belichick over anybody, anybody. This, um, this, then, then this may come as a surprise to you. I'll take Nick Sirianni. Yeah. I don't, I, you, you, we, we've all seen that, that, that if, if I need to try out the numbers for you, I will. Nick Sirianni's three-year record and Bill Belichick's three-year record. It's not close. Sirianni laps over him. Oh, Bill I Belichick, know. the first year that, uh, that Tom Brady decided to take his act to Tampa, squeaked into the playoffs, much like Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni coming out of nowhere, who nobody knew who he was, went to the playoffs, got beaten the first round of the playoffs, same as uh, exact as Bill Belichick. You don't want to begin to compare these last two years between what Sirianni's done and what Belichick has done. Belichick is is arguably the greatest of all time. I also wouldn't turn the team over to Tom Landry these days because he's dead. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I don't think he's going to do a very good job coaching well, the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles for the Tom's next three years. I know that. But it's at some point you got to say, but what has happened in well, the most hey, hey, I'll be I'll be I'll be honest and I say it all the time. I think I think fans way by and large, way, 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 I can't say it enough, way overrate coaching when it comes to talent. Um when Bill Belichick has bad seasons or bad stretches, he didn't become a bad football coach. When Andy Reid had a bad stretch, he didn't become a bad football coach. Um, it's a cyclical industry that, um, and it will happen to the Eagles as well. That's one of the points I said. I mean, once once you hit the apex, there's only one place to go. I mean, you know, and the 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 shelf life that he got out. And yes, Tom Brady's a bigger part of it, but I think people forget when Tom Brady started, there were still people saying, 
you know, when they got to the first Super Bowl, uh, are you going to go back to Drew Bledsoe? Yep. I mean, he he was, you know, just sort of managing that word, game, managing the game, and he turned into what he turned into, which I think, and I say it all the time, I think Tom skewed everybody's perception. Oh, they won six. Let's go win six. Doesn't work that way. It, do, it, it, it doesn't work that way. So, um, but he didn't become a bad coach. They don't have great, he might be a bad GM. And that's part of it. I, you know, first of all, that is part of it. And that's something you have to consider when you start to think about Bill Belichick replacing Nick Sirianni, which again, well, I mean, he ain't coming then because before. Howie's not getting, Howie's, Jeff's not getting rid of Howie. So, A, he's not coming. I mean, B, and that's one he, of the things. He did, it, he did it once before. If, 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 if you um, do that exercise with your callers next time, I, I would, I would advise you to, also add the caveat of understand because of the way the Eagles run their organization, you're not getting a big name. You're not getting anybody with power. You're not getting anybody who can, who can um, say, I want personnel power. I want this. I want that. Cause the Eagles don't want that. They don't want that. They want the first time head coach. They want the guys going to stay in line. So understand you're not getting where whoever you think take bill out of it. Whoever you think is great. Even Ben Johnson. If you think Ben Johnson's a great coach, you ain't getting Ben Johnson because Ben Johnson's going to have other suitors giving him autonomy and more and more and more because he's going to be the Magato candidate. I always say, Mugatu, if you're a, a a a Ben Stiller fan, you'll get that. That's a Zoolander reference. Mugatu would say he's so hot. He's he's the hot candidate. You go back to Adam Gase. The Eagles wanted to hire Adam Gase. Adam Gase, people laugh at it now. You know, Jody was the hot candidate. Yeah, the first time, the guy everybody wanted. He came to Philadelphia. The Eagles wanted him. He said, "I want this." I want that. And they told him to go kick rocks. And he ended up in Miami because they, they were just coming off chip Kelly and they didn't want to give personnel power to, to a first time head coach at the time. Um, And luckily, luckily for them. And then they ended up with Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson was like their, at least their third choice, maybe their fourth choice. Um, And this time with Nick Sirianni, they don't want, a big time guy who's going to come in and say, I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that. They want somebody who's going to sit and take orders and go along to get along. And ultimately that's going to end. It ended with Doug Peterson. It's going to end with Nick Sirianni. And that's when Nick Sirianni's shelf life will end in Philadelphia. When is that coming? Might come this off season. Could all right, but let me let me and just know full well I'm playing devil's advocate because I was arguing the same side as you last night. But my caller did at least one smart thing in making his argument for Belichick. We all know that Jeffrey would have preferred to buy the New England Patriots, that's his team, that's where he grew up, that's where his home was. But the New England Patriots were not for sale, so let me do the next best thing buy a National Football League team 
And he's been here for decades now in Philadelphia. I'm not questioning Jeffrey's commitment to either the team or the town. He's proven himself over. But his first love was the Patriots. That's Bill Belichick we're talking about. That's the Patriots head coach. That's the guy who's won six Super Bowls in New England. Is there at least a chance that they would go? Not they would be Jeff just all by himself because you're not going to consult Howie on this one. Then he says, but I can take Bill Belichick from the New England Patriots and I can get Bill Belichick to get the all-time most wins in the history of the National Football League for a coach and he can do it on the Philadelphia Eagles sidelines. Can I compromise my own desires to be dictating things in my organization and turn it over to the greatest of all time. Is there at least not an argument to be made about that? No, no. Okay. I mean, Hey, remember um, who, whomever gets Bill Belichick, the, the Patriots are probably going to be smart enough to trade them, not fire them. Um, so you're going to be talking about significant um, uh, capital draft capital as well. You'll have to give up. Now, if Bill wanted to come in and just coach, would he want to do that? Uh, Jeffrey believes his his greatest mistake was, you know, doing what he did to Howie. Um, And he's right. That was his great. People talk about the gold standard or bullshit things he said. And he said a bunch of bullshit things over the years. Who cares? You know, people say stupid so, stuff. All so the time. hold on, I got now. I got to jump in with a point. Does Howie have a contract for life? You said you thought Doug Peterson got one after he won the Super Bowl. No, not Does for Howie life. Have the same, not for life, because Jeffrey's whatever 70, 71 years old. I don't know what will, Julian will he, wants. Will he be bestowing his feelings about Howie on his predecessor? Uh, and and yeah, expect well, his predecessor Julian to hold up his end of the bargain. I, I'm sure he has expressed that to Julian, but, you know, uh, Jeffrey's 72, I just checked. He's 72 years old. Now, hopefully he's around for a very long time. But if Julian takes over, when he takes over, I have no idea what he likes, what he wants. could be completely different. Um, doesn't matter what Jeffrey tells him. You know, you've seen kids take over other organizations, other sports. You know, sometimes they want to, rebel, whatever. They want to go in a different direction. Everybody's their own person. Jeffrey Lurie's not getting rid of Howie Roseman. Could somebody else get rid of Howie Roseman? Sure. And the only other person... Not lifetime, but if we extend Jeffrey Shelf Life as owner of the Eagles to 82, Howie's guaranteed to be the general manager for the next 10 years? I believe so, yes. Now, if you go, everything's... if If you're going... One in 16, I mean, everything's reevaluated, you, uh, you know, but he's very safe is how I would describe it. And, oh, by the way, he's another guy who I think maybe it's just because I couldn't believe the level of Sirianni must go conversation elevated as quickly as it did. You want to know something? Well, I will turn around and make it a question to you. Right here, right now, knowing that it can change again, with how the last two games go, whatever. From the day after the Eagles came back and had to realize they weren't going to have a parade and how he had to turn the page and get back to work. 
What kind of grade do you give Howie Roseman for the roster that he's put together here on January 2nd from the day after the Super Bowl ended to today? What kind of grade would you give Howie? Uh, B, B, I would, I would yeah. say. I still think he did a good job under the circumstances. Um, you know, what, injuries, what are the circumstances? Um, where he was from a cap standpoint, understanding he had to give up some good players. He, he knew that was always going to happen. But isn't that, a, isn't that your job every year? It is. You, but, you, and how he's been in the position for as many years as he has. So their cap situation was Howie's situation. He negotiated, worked his way. Sure, had, but there, but there's windows. There, you're you're different when there's a window to win than you are when there isn't a window to win. Um, and he handles those windows in and out as he did at the end of the Peterson era, when the window wasn't open. Have a different philosophy than when the window's open. I think he handles that kind of thing better than anybody else. And part of that is just experience. Nobody else gets the experience because they all get fired. I say it all the time. That's one of the luxuries of Howie Roseman. Howie wasn't a great GM when he was a young GM. He learned. He learned through mistakes. And now he's a great GM. But even that, I've been saying it for years. You know that, Jody. He's a top five GM in the NFL. And people used to kill me for it. And now that he's everybody's saying he can't make a mistake, oh, he makes mistakes all the time. Where, where's all this bullshit, you know, made with this Fangio stuff? You know where it's coming from. Let's be honest. You know where it's coming from. Get over it. Turn the page. The timing didn't work out. Why, why is this organization so obsessed with a guy giving up 56 stinking points? Get over it. All right, I get don't over know. it and turn the stinking page. But you did the same. I said this yesterday on the show, Jody. You did the same thing to the Colts with Nick Sirianni. It was so late in the process. They were like, oh, we're, we're fine. We're going to move forward with our offensive quarter that we like a whole heck of a lot. And all of a sudden, the Eagles come in and say, you know what? I don't like what's going on. Let's interview Nick Sirianni. They got to be a head coach. Are you going to say, woe is me, uh, the Colts? They probably did. They probably said behind the scenes, but they don't obsess over it for 12 months. That's what the NFL is. You lose guys if you're successful. Nobody knows that better than Howie because he's lost so many front office people as well. And, And this constant wringing of the hands, oh, if only we had this, if only we had this. You'd still stink on defense because you don't have the personnel. Yeah, and see, that's on Howie. I'm John, you just completely lost me. I don't know how we got from how would you grade Howie's season to Fangio? I just uh, went right over my head. So, uh, we asked the saying question. everybody uh, there was a stage where everybody hated Howie and then he could not make a mistake. And I said, you know, Oh, he makes mistakes all the time, he's just better than his peers. And I was given an example of a mistake. This team didn't handle losing Jonathan Gannon well. They continue to not handle losing Jonathan Gannon well. That's an example of a mistake. The personnel part of it, the personnel part of it, yeah, there's a ton of mistakes. Now, look, injuries are injuries, but everybody has injuries. You can go through every single team, and they all have injuries. 
Some persevere better than others. The Eagles have persevered better at better times than others. This year they haven't persevered, um, you know. But overall, when compared against the other GMs, and that's all you can do, he's top five, and he remains top five. Yeah, I don't think he's top five this year. Uh, if if you can wipe the slate clean to start a new year, every but all thirty two general manager slates are wiped clean on February third, fourth, fifth, whatever the day after the Super Bowl is, and now you've got to go back. Now a lot of work has been decisions have been made, work has been done leading up to that point. So it's it's kind of difficult to do to wipe the slate clean, but you are where you are. When you start the next season and you start your roster construction, I don't think his roster construction is top five general manager work in this league. Do you? This yeah, season, I, well, just I, I this do. season, I still from, this, I, from February fifth on, what are the what are the uh, the, the no questions asked hit it out of the park home runs Howie Roseman had as far as roster moves go this offseason. Well, I thought he did a tremendous job manipulating to get Jalen Carter, number one. I mean, just because he's hit a bit of a rookie wall, that doesn't change uh, my thought process on him long term. I think as as a whole, I, I think the draft has some uh, uh, valuable pieces, potential developmental pieces. You know, people are are so quick to write off players. Even look at Kaylee Ringo. Everybody's writing off Kaylee Ringo, and all of a sudden he finally gets back on the finally gets on the field due to injury to Darius Light, and he looks pretty good for a it rookie. Looked, didn't look good on Sunday. Well, for a rookie, have you seen some other rookie court? You could see the upside. Is what I'm trying to say. It, you know, is a fourth round pick supposed to step in and be? Patrick Sertan. Uh, first, round, uh, or, first round pick is, and then I get in diddly squat out of Nolan Smith. Well, it, you'd like to get more in the short term. Are you going to give up Nolan Smith uh, long term? Are you going to give up on him? I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not, but it's not a, 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 a try to round the bases homer. If we're talking about oh, already well. paying dividends, it hadn't happened for the Eagles in their draft this year. Yeah. Well, I think it's good as Carter is. He's dropped off precipitously here in the second half. Do, am I with you? Do I think he's going to be a dynamite player for the next three, four, five years? Yeah, I do. But he is. Uh, I, we, I, I, people well, handed I, him the defensive rookie of the year award after seven games in a 17 I, game season. Well, and that's, you know, uh, I can't control other people, but um, well, I think John McMahon was one of them. Well, it, it I, you know me, I don't care about personal awards. I think he's the best. I still think he's the best defensive rookie in the NFL um, overall. Um, whether he wins the award or not, we'll, we'll, we'll see. That has more to do with team success. You know, good player on good team, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, uh, you know, they, have a, they still have a top five roster as far as talent. Um, so I don't know how you can say you know, he did a bad job when he had to uh, sort of reshape things with um, the quarterback getting paid. Um, and those are sort of cost of yeah, doing you know, business that, in that, the that, NFL. I'm not buying that, John. The quarterback money hadn't kicked in yet. Now, I know you have to make decisions that are eventually going to factor in two years from now. But this offseason, Jalen's still on his first deal. 
They they, they had the ability yeah, to upgrade the roster but... this year, and they haven't. They've, the roster's gone backwards. Look, the, here's the thing. It, you know, everything's contextual in the NFL, which I always talk about. And people say, well, it's, it's Howie's fault that they didn't have a lot of cap space, which in theory, yes, it's his fault because he's been running the team for years. But again, they're in a position. Show me a team with a crap load of, 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 of cap space last year, the Chicago Bears. I'll show you a bad team. They're a bad stinking team, and they're dumping people to get cap space to hopefully do something down the line. There's Sam Hankey in it, which is not the level – of they do it in the NBA, but they're starting to do it more in the NFL. So show me a team with all that cap space that can do and sign off all linebackers for $150 million or whatever they did, and I'll show you a bad football team. That's why they're in a position to do things like that. How he builds rosters correctly doesn't mean he gets every personnel thing. He values the right position. He may have gone too far at linebacker. I'm the first one that stands in line. I toggle back and forth depending on who I'm talking with. And the reason I do that is because you have two camps. You have the camp that says, oh, he never makes a mistake because they're happy with him and they're wrong. And then you have the camp because you lose four out of five games and say, oh, he's shit now. No, that ain't the case either. They still have a top five roster. They're, they're going through some issues. They need to fix the issues. And there's plenty of, uh, there is plenty of problems with Howie Roseman, how they handle the coaching staff. I just said how they reacted to losing a coach. All of these issues, there's plenty of issues you can bring up. But when you compare him to his peers, he is better than the vast, vast majority of NFL GMs in this league. Uh, yeah, you, you and I see it slightly differently. I agree that there there are two different views. There's the immediacy view, and then there's the big picture. Big picture, you can still make the argument, Howie Roseman's the best general manager in the National Football League because of his body of work, because what he's done since he took that position, got it back, they ran Chip Kelly out of town. If you look at it from that view, he, he's good as anybody. He might be numero uno. You narrow focus in from the day after they lost the Super Bowl to today. Not great, Howie. Sorry. You did not top one. He's not numero uno. I don't think he's top five. Well, that, five. But I, I'll say this. why, And that's part of the problem with the league, Jody, because they fire young GMs because they do. They look at it from a micro sense and not a macro sense. And, and I'm, I'm, not, are- I'm not calling for Howie's ouster. I'm just saying I think we should – if we're assessing blame with this team as we sit here today, and one of the reasons why they are in this morass and can't win a game is that how he didn't do a good enough job. I, with the hey, roster. I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers guy, and one of they got three coaches since I think 1968. Three coaches since 1968. All three of them have won Super Bowl championships. They're they're the standard. They got six, just like. Uh, uh, New, I think New England, the San Francisco. Yeah, got, oh yeah, Brady, um, Brady, New England's got six. Brady's got seven. Yeah, he got Brady's got there. seven. Uh, every single one of them. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. Continuity, and, and one of the reasons Howie, as I said, we got to get to Jeff Mosher. I see you there, Jeff. Sorry. One of the reasons Howie is better than everybody else is because he's been allowed to get better than everybody else. 
That's I fair. Can't, I, I can't yeah. even speak to some of these gentlemen because they don't get the opportunity. That's very true. Um, the only thing I'm saying, and I'm not going for like people are calling for uh, Nick Sirianni's head on a pike. I am surely not doing that with Howie Roseman because his track record is what it is, and it's pretty damn good. I'm just saying, I think we in if we're going to run Sirianni out of town, we have to at least acknowledge that he wasn't given a full deck. That this roster is better not deck than most managers. people. And by the way, I'm not running Syria. I'm not firing Syriana. I'm not running Syria. But he's got a, he's still got a better deck than most coaches in this league. Most he's still got a but, better deck. Well, and he's going to finish eleven and five, uh, or 12, 12 and uh, five, which is not too shabby. It's only a couple of games off what he was last year. So if he's only going backwards two games, can you attribute those two games to the fact that now he didn't give him as many bullets as his gun? I think you can. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. We are Mac and Mac Birds 365. And there he is. Jeff Mosher is ready to join us from inside the Birds uh, podcast and .com. He's up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Magamac here with you on Birds 365. That's Jeff Mosher from Inside the Birds. Dot com, the podcast, outstanding website. Uh, Eagle fans, I'm sure you all know about it. Check it out as well you should. Uh, Jeff Mosher, Happy New Year. How was your New Year? I had a great New Year. How about you guys? Well, it's early. It's too early to tell, Jeff. But I did have a happy New Year's <laughs> Day. Uh, so good to see you, bud. Um, saw you uh, in the green room, uh, seeing me and Jody go back and forth. Where are you uh, in this sort of, I'm surprised how quickly it's gone downhill for Nick Sirianni and how many people forget about poor Brian Johnson. You know, they might got the defensive coaching staff, but things continue going down this negative route. Um, How surprised are you about how quick people are questioning Nick Sirianni? After this run, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not. I'm not that surprised, because uh, we, we live here. We've been here for many years. We know yeah. that a two-game losing streak is just unacceptable. Um, and I think that I think what feeds into you, you know you and I and Jody as reporters or media, we always kind of say fans get a little out of hand when you lose a couple games and you want every we we make a joke fire everyone right like yeah. come on. Um, yeah. But the organization itself, I think, I, I think the organization itself has sort of sent sort of impatient messages at times from from. Firing Doug Peterson just a few years removed from the only Super Bowl wins. You know, we can go back and debate whether you do that or not. But even even before firing Doug, firing his assistant coaches, forcing other coaches, you know, the whole saga of what goes on up top of the organization. And that seemed to have subsided a little bit. But, you know, you never really know until adversity hits how an organization is going to react. And, you know, I thought what happened with Sean Desai and Matt Patricia was the first sign of yet another bout of impatience. And even things, other things that have happened on the field, um, personnel moves, things you're seeing sort of reflect an organization that right now is trying to throw some crap against the wall to see if it sticks. And uh, it's not sticking, you know, so I'm not I'm not surprised because I think the organization at times like these gives off the impression that it flies by the seat of its pants and just tries to rectify wrongs and figure snap um, and doesn't let the process itself play out. So let me try and tie you down on that one. That's interesting. Uh, The organization. So I'm going to use the organization for my question. They like to tell us, and this is not the Eagles, this is not just football, this is every organization in all the sports. They all like to use the word collaborative, that a lot of things are done collaboratively, that it's the general manager and the coaching Mm -hmm. staff and the owner works with the general manager, turns around and works with everybody else. Um, so if you're asked the question most of the time, well, it's a collaborative decision, collaborative way of doing things. 
How collaborative was the Sean Desai firing? How much of a percent are you just putting on Sirianni's doorstep because he said it was him? Or do you believe that there was influence from above and from others? Well, I mean, what I know is that it wasn't just an idea that Nick Sirianni had one day. I mean, there were concerns about how the defense was performing, obviously. Uh, I know Howie Roseman was also concerned. And from what I understand, there, there, there were, they were on the same page with this. They felt like a change uh, needed to be made. And usually if Howie's on board with something of that nature, then <laughs> he's often a mouthpiece. I'm not saying I know this for a fact. I'm just saying he is often a mouthpiece for the owner. And the owner is very involved on a week-to-week and a day-to-day basis. So that kind of move, from what I understand, was made uh, collaboratively. And Jody, I, I don't think they're lying when they say they're a collaborative organization. I, I think that's interpreted different ways. Some organizations don't want that much collaboration. An owner hires a president or a GM. A GM hires a coach. Like there doesn't have to be seven different people uh, who's who have to uh, you know have their input on this, right? But the Eagles are not like that. It's always been an organization where you know most of the big moves start at the top, whether it's the owner, GM, or the head coach, or all three of them. And like we just talked about in the Doug Peterson era, there's some times when those three people aren't seeing eye to eye, and it right. leads to moves that are made that not everybody agrees with. But as far as this one, while I viewed it as a very unorthodox move, uh, I think you should have just fired the guy like most organizations do. And not that I advocate for any oh, yeah. losing a job. I'm no. just saying what Sean decide in that position, if you're not happy with his work, just fire him. What What yeah. is the point of having him watch Matt Patricia um, coach his defense and do it poorly, by the way, uh, at this point? So uh, yeah. to me, that's very unorthodox in the organization that's operating a little bit on its history of making good decisions and not actually making one in the current moment. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, I was told that it first came up during the bye week where the Eagles were starting to mull um, some kind of change um, with the defensive, uh, with Sean Desai, the defensive play caller, defensive coordinator, whatever you want to call Matt Patricia now. Um, And they were 8-1. I mean, did, did this team just buy into the expectations and, and and maybe that's not the right term. Did this team wither under the weight of the expectations? Because yeah, the defense wasn't impressive at times and they don't have the personnel to be impressive at all times. But eight and one is eight and one. You don't fire coordinators when you're eight and one, or at least you shouldn't. Did they panic? Right. And they ultimately fired him at 10 and three. Yeah. And the funny thing at him should say. Right. Right. And the, and the funny thing is, you know, if you go back to the bye week, that's really only a couple of weeks removed from a really excellent performance against the Miami Dolphins. So who, who have an explosive offense and they, yeah. they held to, I think 17 yeah. points in that game. And even that uh, Dallas now, granted, game like a lot the of bye. It. Yeah. Go ahead. The Dallas game before the right. bye, they didn't right. give up and many granted, points. A lot of those half. games. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And, um, you know, like a lot of those games uh, earlier, the Miami game and the Dallas game, there were some opportunities that just you know, were not committed by the other team, not because the Eagles were so great, but just because of a drop ball here or a fumble there. Um, but nonetheless, that, yeah, it, it's a, 
unorthodox. I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing with the defense now. I mean, obviously with Matt Patricia, they're blitz, they're blitzing even less, which means you're relying on a front four to get there, but the front four hasn't been getting there. So you gave – I mean, you look at that Cardinals game. I mean, got corners playing off on third and five and third and seven, just basically allowing Kyler Murray to play pitch and catch. You know, you go back to the Seattle game, you know, man defense with no pressure on a third and nine. So you didn't even speed up the quarterback's clock. And you gave him a chance to throw that down to Smith and Jigba. So I don't know what what, what they think they're doing. But I, here's the thing. Let, to answer your question, I also don't want to start to put the I, – I know the funeral is being given for the Eagles today and the eulogy and all that, and, and I get it. But I don't want to get to that point where I start making long-term conclusions about this person make, doing a bad job, this person sucking, this thing being over – until it really is over because again, this organization was 10 and one at one point. So like, th- could they turn it around? Could the, could Zach Cunningham and Darius Slay help the defense just enough so that they are more competitive? Sure. I, I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. I haven't thought that all year. I thought the 49ers were going into the year, but I don't want to put the kiss of death on anybody. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're all look like idiots after the Eagles go to the Super Bowl or something like that. But I definitely get the sentiment and I understand the point. All right. Uh, very there will be major, major, major things if they don't go to the Super Bowl. All right. Very specific question for you. How much does scheme affect the ability of edge pass rushers to get sacks? Is he freezing up on it? Uh, well, it depends on which edge rushers we're talking about. Right? I mean, I, you can put Micah Parsons in, in any, any scheme. <laughs> Yeah, Mike is. Good, I, yeah. I think so. I think I get the. I get your question, right? You got Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage. Why would you? Well, I don't think the plan was to have have him drop into coverage that much. I think the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon outcoached them and wisely sped up their offense when they caught the Eagles in five man fronts and and forced the issue with twelve personnel. Uh, but I mean, obviously, Hassan Reddick is the type of guy who needs to be unleashed on the quarterback because he's not the kind of guy you want dropping into coverage. And he's also been a liability at times against the run. So if he's not getting, if he's if you're if you're not moving him around, if you're not stunting, if you're not twisting with this guy, if you're just putting him in one spot and having him rush the passer, you're doing it wrong. I think that's a bit a big issue, especially since Patricia took over the the defensive line. No longer you, does line games or or movement. It seems like they just line up and try to rush the passer, and that has not been uh, a recipe for success for them this year and even in the past when they were great you saw them doing a whole lot of more line movement yeah that's um that's certainly true and i i don't have a problem with the sun dropping you know i always compare it to a pitcher jeb you know uh, nolan ryan doesn't throw all fastballs occasionally you go the dom capers route that's why the zone blitz came in here you're trying to pull the quarterback it's not like you're telling hassan reddick to go cover a tight end you're trying to you're trying to accomplish something. Now, maybe they did it a little bit too much last week, but I don't have a problem with it in, in certain situations. The defense as a whole, here's what I have mm-hmm. a problem with at this stage, and we're week 18 now, Jeff. Pick, there's too many moving parts. Decide, I get it, the injuries. You mentioned Slay. I don't think he's going to play this week because it's met life in the crappy turf, but he should be back for the playoffs. Zach Cunningham was close last week. He should help. But, you know, 
if if it's Ringo or Ricks at cornerback, pick the best one. I don't care who. If it's if Babante's ready to go, why is Sidney Brown still rotating in the slot? Why is Nolan Smith with Nick Morrow back getting Mike mm. linebacker snaps? Why? Why the Mm-mm. three safeties look why yeah. to me this defense needs to simplify, play fast, cover to it. I've argued. I hate that defense, but to make these guys play as fast as possible and maybe get the incremental improvement to where you can start winning football games again. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you hit you you're you and I are in the same thought. What I said when I said they're they're throwing stuff against the wall just to see if it works is exactly what I was thinking when you when you mentioned playing Nolan Smith at Mike linebacker yeah. in certain five down fronts. I mean, well, yeah. what why? Why this late? Why now? What are you expecting? Do you think offenses are not going to see that and then check into plays to try to either put him into coverage or run at him? He, it's not like he was doing a great job even as a run defender when he was on the edge. I mean, this guy was getting blocked by Gabe Davis in the Buffalo game. So, uh, I, it, again, why would you in, make Bradley Roby inactive when he's one of your few corners who can play the inside and the outside and has experience and maybe on third down is he going to play 10 yards off the way Eli Ricks did on the, the first couple of first downs. Yeah, I, so I agree with you. I thought it was, I thought it was surprising that uh, they, they deactivated one of their more experienced corners with versatility to go with the two young kids uh, while Slay was out. That didn't make sense to me. All right. Uh, I don't know Nick Sirianni and his deep thoughts moments. I don't know if they come when he's in the shower. Maybe he's winning when he's in the bathroom doing something other than showering. Maybe he goes out and takes a walk with the dog. But at some point yesterday, Nick Sirianni was in deep thoughts. And the number one priority for Sunday against the Giants has to be win the game. We all agree on that. But they need to do more than that. What would you advise Nick Sirianni, Jeff Mosher, as the thing they have to do above and beyond just winning the game. If winning the game is number one, which it has to be, okay, what's the next most important thing the Eagles must accomplish against the Giants Sunday at MetLife? Hmm. That's a great question. I don't know. Getting Big Dom back on the sideline? That, that <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, uh, that's not gonna I think, happen. I think Superman. I think that's the trip tonight. Not happening. Yeah. Oh man. Got one more. Uh, that's a great one question. Uh, you know, turnovers, Jody. I know that that was maybe the biggest issue against the Cardinals, right? But it's been their biggest issue this year offensively. You know, I'm not gonna. You know, defensively, I don't know if there's a fix. I don't know if there's anything Nick Sirianni can do that's not his his specialty, but. This team has to offer this team has to score a lot of points to win games. So that part is on him and his offense. And again, you can't fix certain things overnight, but ball security, you know, I always think play design. People talk about play calling. I think play design is a little bit more of an issue. I think it's clear to me t- talking to people around the league who watch Eagles tape that what they're doing uh now is similar to what they've done in the past and they win on talent, but when you face good teams or, or teams know what you do, like Jonathan Cannon, they're able to sit on your outs a little bit. So you may want to stay aggressive. You know, I thought he was pretty conservative there on that final drive against Arizona, playing for the field goal. Um, 
turnovers. Yeah, get, get your team to stop turning the ball over, and you give yourself a lot better chance to win. Uh, at Jeff P. Theoretically. Mosher. Go ahead. I was just yeah. saying theoretically, because now that I think about it, the Eagles probably are on the sm- the, lo- the low percentage of teams to have a interception return for a touchdown at home against the team that they were favored to win by double digits and still lost. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great play. The great, uh, not a great interception. It was kind of a miscommunication between Kyler and Higgins uh, on the outside, but once Sidney Brown got that interception, man, that was impressive. Showed off the athleticism and what he can do. I like Sidney Brown long-term. They're getting through some of the startup costs, so that's one of the positives. At Jeff P. Mosher, make sure you follow Jeff on X, formerly known as Twitter, InsideTheBirds.com with our buddies Adam Kaplan, Andrew Jacheco. They do a tremendous job over there. Um, I'll leave it with the offense and blitz beaters, Jeff, because that's one of the most frustrating things about this offense to me. You know, they're basically top 10 in every meaningful category. So I think some of the struggles are a little bit overblown, but man, they don't have the typical hot routes, the typical, they sort of answer blitzes with another bubble screen. And I at in this bar in Nick Sirianni's evolution as an offensive guy, uh, you mentioned play design. There should be more. There should be there should be more evolving than there is. I think that's a legitimate criticism. Agree or disagree? Yes, I, I've actually thought this was an issue even when they were successful <laughs> last year and year before. It just seemed like, I mean, they, they avoided third and long quite a bit last year because they were up in so many games. But I do think when teams come after them, they have some really strange route designs and route concepts. And I've run it past some people who played both offense and defense in the league, and they've, they've echoed a similar sentiment. Um, it's one thing not to have hot route. I get people say you got to have hot routes, got to have hot routes. Well, when you have hot routes and the defense knows it, then they will defend you so that you, do throw to your hot route because that's usually short of the sticks, right? Yeah. So, but but you have to give your quarterback outlets to get rid of the ball quickly in the face of blitzes. And what we don't really know is does Jalen not change the plays enough? Is it the play calls themselves? I think this is something they have to really look at in the offseason as they see teams have caught up to what they do. And just their overall offense, John. I mean, I think that it can be it when when the offense is good it's because they have really good playmakers, right? But we've seen throughout the history of the league, you know, the truly elite teams that can be good. You mentioned the Steelers, right? Um, They change personnel all the time. Steelers go through different wide receivers, different running backs all the time, right? But they had a baseline level of success because of the offense, because of the quarterback. So, you know, at some point, I do think as this team continues to grow, if, if they're capable of it, they have to get away from being a simplified RPO centric offense and and get a little bit more conventional. Now, if they don't believe the quarterback can run that kind of offense, well, then that's an issue, but I think they at least have to find out. And if you find out that he can't, that he doesn't work that way, then that's a, a, a conversation you have to have for maybe this time next year down the road. But I don't think you can continue to run the same time. The whole Chip Kelly idea of running the same type of scheme, but you just build a different route concept here and there. 
and expect that to work. At some point, you have to function like a a 2023 offense uh, on third and and third and long, third and medium. You've got to have your your sort of well, Nick Soriano is a West Coast guy. You got to have your your West Coast route playbook there, ready to go. I G motion. It may have already happened. Um, don't know what time AJ Brown was considering reporting for work today, but uh, at some point he's going to walk into the building. How is that handled? Is it just business as usual and everybody just goes about their preparation for the Giants next week? Does his best friend put his arm around his shoulder and say, let you and I just have a little friendly conversation? Do you have an intervention with Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts? Maybe you bring Smitty in on the crutches as well. Go a little sympathy route. Look at what happened to this guy. You got issues. You think you got problems? Look at him. He's on crutches. How do they handle A.J. Brown when he walks in the building? You know, Nick seems to have a good pull to deal with his players. You know, and it's not like A.J. Brown. I mean, A.J. Brown just didn't talk to the media. I know he's put some stuff on Twitter. But it's – I mean, he's not like uh, – we're not putting him in Terrell Owens category here. No, he's, he's no, not, no. I don't think he, he is – exhibited the type of behavior that you have to call him into the office and admonish him. But I think if you're Nick Sirianni, you say, you know what, AJ, I'm frustrated too. We could have done a way better job of getting you the ball there in the fourth quarter. We're going to do a better job of getting you the ball. I promise. And then actually deliver on that. Go in there, be aggressive against the giants, get him the ball and do what you got to do to win. I mean, he ain't the only one that complains after a loss. Um, so he, he just won. He's, he, his way of doing it, I think, draws the most attention. But you didn't hear him throw any single person by name under the bus. He's no. just frustrated, and I think they all are. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and AJ's actually, uh, yeah, uh, the TO comparisons, uh, you know, people don't get to see him. He's very, um, he's a good guy. He's very, you know, he, he, he's very thoughtful. Uh, he generally speaks all the time. And, and that's part of the reason, Jeff, is that, you know, because he does speak all the time when he doesn't, then you say, what's going on? And, mm -hmm. you know, people have speculated different things. With the AJ, I don't think it's about targets. We were talking about this before you came on. It's about spots. And and he wants the football in mm -hmm. big spots. And you talked about that, you know, after the Jordan Mylotta holding penalty, you know, was quarterback run, quarterback run, bubble screen. AJ's like, I converted a third and 20 last week. Give me a chance to win the game. I think that's where the frustration stems from. Spots. Absolutely. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't I'm I try to be off social media as much as possible. Did, yeah. He did not throw any single person. No, coach no, no, bus, right? no, 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 not okay. at all. Yeah. In no, fact, he made it clear. Talking and, yeah. Okay. Because you know reporters as well. Some of them say, oh, what did we do? And he made it clear. It's not about you guys. He, he even made that clear. He's just frustrated. Right. So, um, And I don't think that's a bad thing to want to make plays at the end. I think it's a good thing. I compared it to a, a great score in the NBA. Give me the guy who wants to take the shot, not shy away like Ben Simmons. But I digress. But I I actually think he had a complaint this week because he was only targeted five times. He's targeted the fifth most in the National Football League this year, so he can't make a general. You got to throw it more to me comment, but last week maybe they needed to get the ball to him a little bit more often.
Jeff Mosher, always a pleasure. Appreciate whatever you come aboard with us here on Birds 365. Love you guys' podcast and your website. Thank you very much for sharing today. That's Jeff Mosher. It's, always, that it's always fun. Take care. Look at that smiling face. Not the greatest connection today. Sometimes that stuff happens. When you're going to be doing a streaming show, every once in a while, you're going to have a mediocre connection. Uh, but I think we got most of what Mosher wanted to say here today. You're going to get the final things that Jenna McDonald, John McMullen want to say. We'll come back and put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. We only got a couple minutes left here on Birds 365. Appreciate you streaming in. A whole bunch of you did today. Good number of those who are streaming in. Misery loves company, apparently. Um, do us a favor. Hit the like button on your way out the door today. If you liked 
uh, Jeff Mosher, Rob Coaster uh, was on with us earlier, and or Xander, John, and nobody likes me. I'm just full of fake takes. But uh, I, I do want to give credit to one of our streamers today. He hit a chord with me here in the last couple minutes of the show. Dank Kelly Green Burrito. Some of these guys actually have very entertaining screen names. Um, and Dank has been with us, I think, since day number one. Uh, he just uh, put this on the chat. So all he does is throw to AJ. And then when he doesn't throw to AJ, they need to throw to AJ. Pick one, people. Uh, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It is, it's a balancing act. And the offensive coordinator is trying to get it. And Nick's offense, since it's his offense, he's trying to get it. And AJ's wants his number. And then Jalen knows he's got to throw it to AJ, but doesn't want to throw it to AJ too much because if he does, everybody's going to question. You just throw it to him because he's your best buddy. Why the hell don't you throw it to Goddard more? It's it's a borderline yeah. knowing situation. Zach Ertz back in the day, you got too much Ertz when he's catching 116 balls. Um, yeah, with AJ, I'm like, it, first of all, this happens everywhere. You know, good receivers want the football. It happens in every city uh, with good receivers. And second, uh, yeah, I don't have any problem with that. I want a guy who wants the football, especially in big spots. I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's ever a bad thing. Uh, he's out in the driveway doing sit-ups and um, all that kind of nonsense and fighting with defensive linemen. Um, then you have an issue. That stuff's not going on. I don't get when people bring up T.O., that's insanity. T.O. was a great receiver, but he was he had some issues. A.J. doesn't have those issues. Um, he does um, not. And I feel there's some calls, John. They need to trade A.J. Brown. And while, while, while I was – You remember was, when this team didn't have a receiver who could get the 500 yards? Right. Back-to-back uh, -back seasons. Um, yesterday, you and I threw out the number. I put out five. I think you were in the same neighborhood with me, percentage chance that Nick Sirianni could go at the end of the year with this losing streak. It moved from zero. Zero, flat zero. It was zero percent when the Eagles were ten and one, coming off the Super Bowl ten and one. Even though they weren't impressive in getting to ten wins, there were some questions. But ten and one is ten and one. Zero. That was the percentage the coach would be fired. Now I'm up to about five. The chances of AJ Brown being traded are less than that. So let that one go, okay? Every once in a while he goes off. He doesn't talk to the media. He cops a bit of an attitude. He gets into a shouting match with a teammate on the sideline for all the national cameras and all the Eagle fans to see. That's on the coach. If you want to see Nick Sirianni, a fired thing, that's on he and his staff. You have to be part of the prerequisite. If they handed out a sheet, here's what you must be capable of doing to be an NFL head coach. Right there on line six, underlined is, you have to be able to control, mollify, whatever word you want to use to describe it, diva wide receivers. We're going to get you diva wide receiver. And oh, by the way, diva wide receivers are really good players who help you win games, who put up 1,400 yards, who catch double-digit touchdowns. There's yeah. an upside to having a diva wide receiver. But there's a downside too, and it's your job to not let the diva take over and outweigh the production. And 
I, I don't know that Nick has done a good job with that this year. Not horrific, like you said. He's not T.O. Uh, we, we have a comparison right here in Philadelphia. He's not that. But I don't know that the coach has done the best job. And that's why I asked Mosher the question I did. Do you just, like, slough it off and go, we got other fish to fry. We got none. No, no conversation. AJ, be here. Yeah, they got bigger issues. They got far bigger issues. I do think you kind of slough it off. That Nick's talked about it. He's, you know, called AJ a great person, which he is. Um, no issues whatsoever. I, I don't think Nick has a problem with his want for the football. Now, the, the sideline stuff, hey, you know, the head coach, you know, managing personality – He's screaming on the sidelines, sure. so he's got to take care of himself before he starts talking about other people. But um, and that's maybe part of the problem. I, you know, they have so many issues, uh, coaching wise, schematic wise. They got to fix that before they worry about a star player. You know, before the season, I think on Ed Kratz and I, our top twenty-five list, I had AJ number two on uh, to Lane Johnson. If I were doing that list today, and I'll do it after the season, he'd be number one, best pure football player on this team. Um, yeah, I'm not complaining about AJ Brown. No, and and I really have. It makes me laugh almost. Fielding calls about they can't have this. They can't have this type of personality. Yeah, go ahead and trade your best football player. That would be a good idea, Eagles fans. Uh, the few, the proud, the foolish, and that's all they are, the few. Uh, here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, uh, what do you got from Eagles today? They got uh, practice. Coordinator day. Matt Patricia got to take uh, take the pounding today, I guess. Yeah. He's going to take some hits. Tell them uh, Matt- <laughs> one more quick. I know we got to go. Um and the guy was a joker, and I could pick up on it. I, I, By the way, Matt will handle it very well. He will not have an issue. He's got I, a lot of experience. We shall see. Um, I fielded a call last night. <laughs> Caller said, and Matt Patricia with the pencil behind his ear, he thinks he needs to upgrade from a type 2 pencil to a type 4 pencil, that he needs to write in darker tones, and that will be. Maybe he needs a mechanical pencil. Maybe that. Maybe go high tech, more high tech. Yeah, that doesn't look near as good on TV. So, uh, but uh, what number two is the one you use? Yeah, number two. Yeah, that's what you got to take the fill the circles with a number two pencil. No, and Matt's got to go to number four because he needs to get a little bit darker, get inside the heads of the Eagles defense. Someone actually said that. I've never seen a pencil that's not number two. It's not number two? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen pencils that aren't number two, or at least they're not marked as number two, but uh, they're not marked as anything. They're just, there's number two, and then there's unnumbered. So what is the point? Where's number one? Where's number three? We're going to four. Don't know. Uh, McMullen and McDonald, we'll be back here tomorrow on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming in today. Streaming tomorrow in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time.
on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.